Time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly on News Radio 1120, KMOX. Happy Friday, St. Louis. It is Hancock and Kelly. We'll stick around all the way till 11 o'clock. We'll join, what, Amy and Chris today? Is Amy working? I know uh, she's... Nobody knows. Yeah. Uh, we'll find out soon. If, if Amy's working, or uh, we'll talk to her. I can't believe but you're working Chris, Buddy, I, I'm lucky to be here with you today. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I had a great night last night. I went out in uh, the Central West End. Boy, Thursday night. Beautiful. Now, it's a Thursday evening in the Central West End. Michael yeah. Kelly. Is on the yeah, and it was awesome. And, you know, they've got no one full well that he had the radio yeah. duties here at the Voice of St. Louis this morning, but it did not deter him. I'm here from a full night of frivolity and fun. Exactly, but I mean, in the West End, you know, that is the nice thing about the Christmas season is some of these neighborhoods around town oh. uh, get dressed up. You know, I, I don't know some of the my favorites. Uh, were you dressed up last night? No, I'm talking about the neighborhoods, dude. Oh, the neighborhoods. Yeah, are so of course up. you got the thing going on downtown, the ice rink and the West End. Yeah. You got. The, you got you the ever been in Old bar? Town St. Charles with uh with the, their setup for Christmas? Is it? It's really something. I yeah, on Main Street, yes. they 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 put up lights and you know trees. Well, they and got the, the little bit. shops there. And little shops. Uh-huh. Or what other places in town do they? set up for Christmas like that. Well, you got the famous bar downtown where they, you uh, know. No, the famous bar is all boarded up. Oh. Isn't that the Railway Exchange building? I think it is. Yes. Yeah, well, I went by there the other day. I saw our good friend Andy Banker out there filming them. They were putting big metal barricades to keep, you know, folks from really going sad. in there. We used to go when I was a little guy. Ditto. My mom would take me down to uh, the famous bar, and you'd see all the windows and the displays. Uh, it was like... A little miniature New York back in the right. Day. And do you remember that, like, you had to wait in line, and the line would would span around Santa, you know, at, right, to go see Santa. Yes. And so they had the trains and little setups, and the amount of people that would go downtown. I remember uh, around that same time would have been when we had uh, St. Louis Center had just gotten going, and well, that was later. But uh, it was packed with well, oh, St. Louis Center, yeah, yeah, St. Louis Center was packed. I used with to people. play the piano at St. Louis Center. Did you really? Yeah, people may have seen me there on the little white kawaii baby grand Like, piano. did you just hop at the piano and start playing, or I was, were you uh, hired my agent, to play? My agent got me uh, the gig there, Bob Bargain. You had an agent? Bob Bargain. Really? Was my agent. I, I would don't know that I would want an agent who's, he, who's Bob uh, Bargain Productions. Tagline was, it's a bargain. He got me uh, He got me booked there at the St. Louis Center playing the little white kawaii Baby grand piano. Uh, how many uh, hours at a time would you do this? It was like during the noon hour kind of thing. Did you get sick of playing Christmas songs the whole time? I never played Christmas songs. Well, what were you there for? I was playing ragtime. It wasn't Christmas season. It was just oh. a regular shopping experience for people as they as they traversed into the uh, St. Louis. Did Center. people they like it or got were they their annoyed by it? There and uh, wandered into the famous bar and the Dillard's. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. J.C. Penny, remember that? J.C. Penny. Do they was exist there. anymore? Uh, sure, buddy. They got now. Uh, I don't know if they still have those tools. You know. Oh no, that was Sears that had the tools. Yeah, I wonder if J.C. Penny exists. Tools. I don't think it does. Famous Bar, of course, doesn't exist anymore. It's called Macy's. Well, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't. I don't think J.C. Penny's exists anymore. I've I have seen Sears. I don't know that we have Sears still in St. Louis. I think J.C. Penny is still around. Really? I do. Huh. I think they went into bankruptcy, but they still got you know stuff out. Where there. would you go see Santa these days? Are they still? I don't know, at but I, I do think the Santas uh, over the years. Now this is a bit controversial, and I apologize if I'm upsetting anyone. Oh out boy! There. But I feel like the Santas in the department stores have they've shed a few pounds over the years, All right? And um, 
they're just not quite what they once were. Have you thought about doing some part-time work? Well, I'm, you know, I can't. Because you, you'd be fine, wouldn't you? You well, have the right girth. and So half, you've got, you know, not? this great debate out there. <laughs> uh, and we interviewed him several years ago, you'll remember. between Phantom? No, between the real bearded Santas uh-huh. and the fake bearded Santas. Uh, there's, a, there's an amalgamation uh-huh. of Santa Claus uh, organization that exists. That's right. Mm-hmm. And... There was this great debate within the organization whether they were going to accept members, uh, Santa, who did not have real beards. Wow. And they got into this massive uh, debate, and a lot of it was wrapped up into the fundraising and the money, because uh-huh. it's always the money. Yeah, follow it. And uh, and the New York Times did a story about this uh, controversy, and we had both sides. Remember that? This was one right. of our first interviews. Yeah, we did do that. I we remember. Had, we had both sides of the Santa Claus controversy on the air together, and they went at it, these two Santas. It was awesome. They were going at each other, man, like you couldn't believe it. And I'm thinking, uh, ho, ho, hold on a minute, boys. <laughs> we, you know, this, was, this is not good. We go where you go. 1120 AM, 98.7 FM, KMOX.com. What a dreary, miserable-looking day it is out there today. Oh, it's not bad. I don't know. Kind of. It feels like it's, you know... Uh, December? The, yeah, the middle of December and... Well, it's uh, December the 1st. Oh, my. Can you believe that? It's already... How many... How many days till Christmas? Well, there's 25 days till 24 days if you count, you know, to December the 1st. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's December the 1st. Yeah. And <clears throat> so, December the 1st of 1990. So now we know Christmas is 25 days was away. Any regular listener of the uh, Hancock and Kelly show knows that you do all your Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve. Dece- well, sometimes at, the 23rd. At Walgreens. December the 1st of 1990, Michael. Oh, okay. What's up with that? I walk down the aisle with my... Beautiful bride. Is that right? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. How two many days, two days before Iben Browning predicted that the New Madrid fault was. I remember go that. Uh, Dr. Iben Browning, I wonder if he's still alive. I doubt it. Yeah. I, I mean, doubt it's it. been thirty three years ago. Yeah. And do you remember so, the whole world went down to uh what was the name of that? New Madrid, Missouri, New Madrid, right? That's where the fault is. It's so, I- ironic that they've named the fault at, after New Madrid. Yeah. So well, here we go. Uh then you wind up where was the wedding? Well, we had the wedding at uh Kirk of the Hills Presbyterian Church, the ceremony. Where was the reception? The reception was at the Adams Mark Hotel downtown. What'd you have to eat? It was uh, the chicken stuff. Tell us uh, a little bit about your evening. Well, so I was nervous on my wedding day, Michael. I'm, I think most people are. And uh, so I hadn't eaten all day. Uh-huh. And you get down to the church, and you, all your buddies are there because right. they're all in tuxedos. Yeah, I was. And there. they're getting you ready, and they're putting a little flower on your thing, and you're you know putting the bow tie on the on the top of your thing there, and you got your tuxedo on, shiny shoes, shiny shiny shoes. And uh, it's really exciting, and you're getting ready, and then uh, you're taking all the little candid shots with you and your buddies, and they were all there. My brother was there, my best man. Wow. And uh, so we have the wedding. It was lovely. Uh Lovely ceremony. Uh, Dr. Wilson Benton presided. John and George Ann, because he was from Mississippi. Mississippi. A great guy, our pastor. And um, so we do the wedding ceremony. John Ashcroft sang at the wedding. It was lovely. Oh, yeah. well, eagle fly. No, he didn't do the eagle soar. He, he sang oh. the Lord's Prayer at the wedding. Oh, really? Yeah. And so you get done, and you're taking the pictures, and snap, 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 and a lot of pictures, a lot of pictures, a lot of pictures. And then you get, and you, you drive into this beautiful limousine that my father-in-law had rented. For nice. Me. And we're driving from 
Ledoux Road there where Kirk of the Hills is downtown to the Adams Mark, then the Adams Mark Hotel. Right, with the big horses there in the lobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You walk in, you go up the escalator there, there's the ballroom. Beautiful. Beautiful. Lovely. The Mm -hmm. band, David Himes, who had played with Ike and Tina Turner, he's there. Wow. Performing. And then you walk in, and everybody stands up, and they clap, and you're waving to the crowd. It's just a magnificent. You're like the star of the show. It, it's unbelievable. You know, I uh-huh. you know I don't like being the center of attention. And uh-huh. so, uh, uh-huh. so you sit down, and you know the toast this, toast that, and you say this, and Dad gives a speech, and da 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 da. Finally, Honey, finally, the food eat. comes out. Yeah, and they've ordered this chicken cordon bleu. Uh, and uh, and I'm starving, and I'm eating, and I'm eating, and I'm eating. Right. So good. Uh-huh. And then we have the cake, and then the dancing, and yeah. the gar. We've got the Greek dancing. Oh, we're doing the right. Greek dancing Throwing around. the garter we and got the flowers. we got the napkins and, waving around uh-huh. in the air, dancing in a circle. We get to the honeymoon suite. Hey, man, let's go. This is and, the best part. And we open, and we start opening, yeah. the, we start opening the cards. Oh. <laughs> There's money in there, Mike. Yeah. And we're counting the money, and... Uh, Georgian goes to the bathroom. Hey, now. She comes out in what I believe is maybe the sexiest thing I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Yes. And she crawls into the bed there in the honeymoon Good Lord, this is, this is awesome. And I, Tell me more. And I, I, I crawl in with, and I put my hand under her head and I, and I kiss her, Michael. Uh-huh. And I say to her, you know, I don't feel too good. <laughs> and I said... Just a minute. And I go to the bathroom, and for the next four hours, all exits were open. Wow. I'm throwing Sick. up. I'm, I've got I've got food poisoning from the chicken cordon bleu. Oh. And uh, by about 4.30 in the morning, <laughs> I'm in the fetal position. I can't move. In the bathroom still. No, I'm back in the bed. I, I crawled back, and I got in the bed. I'm in the fetal. My hands are curled up like that. I mean, it's bad. And she says, you think we ought to go? To, I have no liquid in my body. Uh-huh. She says, you think we ought to go to the hospital? And I said, death. death? I said, I think I'm going to die. And so uh, so she she calls down to the front desk. She says, this is Mrs. Hancock. She never said that before. In the, in the honeymoon suite. In the suite. honeymoon suite. Could you, could you in the send a wheelchair up hey for my now. husband? And so they did. And uh, she, my little five-foot-tall wife scoops me up out of bed, puts me in the wheelchair, takes me to Barnes Hospital, where they proceeded to pump. Three bags of fluid into oh, me. Oh, my goodness. Uh, through the IV. And by the third bag, I'm starting to come around a little bit. Uh-huh. And, uh, puffing back up and uh, all is well. And so, so it started off bad and ended how, up good. W- did you guys go on your honeymoon that We delayed that, it a day. A delayed so a day. We, yeah, we, we delayed the flight a day uh, and then flew into uh, Ocho Rios. Oh, yeah. Uh, in Jamaica. Hey, now. Where uh, <clears throat> I was not a seasoned traveler at that point in my Life. Okay, and so we d- decided against getting the all-inclusive at the hotel. Oh, John, big mistake. Yeah, and so many of our first meals were at the Shakey's Pizza Parlor there <laughs> <laughs> in Chorios. Wow! <laughs> and uh, there was a Shakey's Pizza and a Burger King. We we did have a couple of nice meals uh, during the course of that time, but she, and she stuck through it with you through yeah, all this 33 stuff. Thirty three years. Thirty three. And now you got the beautiful grandbaby Tula. Yes, Tula. She was over yesterday. How is Tula? <clears throat> She's magnificent. What is that? About uh, 15, 16 months old. Nineteen. Nineteen, so that's almost two years old. She's getting there. Yeah. So she's got her choppers. She can oh, walk. Oh, she's had her she choppers for a long time. Are we getting sentences yet? Full sentences? 
Well, yeah, they're just not English at this point. Uh-huh. Uh, but she, kind of like you, she, late at night. Yeah, huh? she yeah. will talk to you, and she will talk to you, but you know, like that. Yeah. And you just kind of play along with it. Well, happy anniversary to you, Miss Georgian. Thank you. Well, incredible. Thanks for I, allowing me to relive my wedding night. That was wonderful. I, I you know, I, I know many of the listeners, like me, were on the edge of our seat when you said she slinked into the bed. Oh. You put your hand underneath her, and we Most were excited. Beautiful. Little, we were very titillated, and then all of a sudden, incredibly you, beautiful. And I decided I was sick. I had a feeling all. Hey, John, uh, yesterday, uh, Ron DeSantis and uh, Governor Gavin Newsom had a little debate on Fox News, uh, and um, uh, Governor Newsom said this to Ron DeSantis about uh, running for president. Just a reminder, uh, you know, I think it's a question some people are probably asking. I know Nikki Haley's campaign is asking, when are you going to drop out and at least give Nikki Haley a shot to take down Donald Trump in this nomination? She laid you out. Please. You're a walking hypocrite. Wow. Uh, he's really going straight at Ron DeSantis. This, John, is on the heels of the fact that the Koch brothers, two uh, brothers that are huge donors inside the Republican Party, have abandoned uh, Ron DeSantis and moved over to uh, the Nikki Haley camp. I think uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, Nikki Haley is going to likely be the runner-up for the Republican Party uh, to Donald Trump. Is that your assessment? I think so, yeah. Um, and the, the question's going to be, you know, the, if DeSantis sticks around, he's definitely got support out there. I think there's a general consensus that his campaign has never taken off very well. And um, and he's, you know, to me, he seems like he's not going anywhere. But if he, if he stays in the race, then it's going to make any alternative to Trump all but impossible. Well, it's all but impossible now. There is a slight chance, if you get down to a binary choice between Donald Trump and Nikki Haley, that you know you've got you've got Iowa, which is really not that important any longer, uh, and then New Hampshire. And Chris Christie's all in for New Hampshire. He's not going anywhere either, right? But he does have something of a following in New Hampshire. He probably drops out after that, and then you go to South Carolina, Nikki Haley's home state. Tim Scott has dropped out of the race. So she would have to win South Carolina, in a, and it would be a surprise if she did. She would have to beat Donald Trump in South Carolina, and then, you know, there's a, maybe a 1% or 2% chance that the nominee is not Donald Trump. My dad used to say to me, the campaigns don't end, they run out of money. Correct. Uh, how soon will we start to see some of the wells drying up uh, as we, you know what, we're just over 30 days yeah. until we start voting in Iowa? Yeah, and you know, DeSantis has had a money drag. His his pack has spent, uh, you know, very heavy, uh, with little effect, and the campaign's running short on money as well. So that yeah, that money I think will be the end of Ron DeSantis in the in the campaign. But that probably doesn't come until after I, uh, South Carolina. Hey, we may have time for this. Uh, well, let's talk about the deplorables. Matt Gates, you remember him, the congressman from Florida. I remember. He had this to say about George Santos, who uh, is facing expulsion. Here's why: since the beginning of this Congress, there's only two ways you get expelled: you get convicted of a crime or you participated in the Civil War. Neither apply to George Santos. And so I rise not to defend George Santos, whoever he is, but to defend the very precedent 
that my colleagues are willing to shatter. How about that? When Matt Gates is your strongest supporter, you're probably not in the best spot. George Santos looks like he's uh, about to go. Maybe. Uh, we're hoping to visit with Scott McFarlane from CBS News uh, next hour about this vote. I think it's going to be interesting because they've never expelled somebody who wasn't convicted or at least indicted of a crime. And um, so I think we're going to find out, you know, exactly where that vote. You, you, your guy, Jamie Raskin voted against expelling him before and the only thing that's changed since that vote is now the ethics committee's come out with this report so we'll see but i think it's an open question whether he gets kicked out or not we are going to do a little more politics in the next hour we're also going to talk to the bull riders we've got lots to take you all the way to 11 o'clock it's hancock and kelly right here on KMOX. keep it tuned time for the friday edition of hancock and kelly you two belong together john hancock michael kelly on news radio 1120 KMOX. Boy, it seems as though that uh, a lot of political uh, figures are uh, departing the earth right now, John. We've lost um, uh, Rosalind Carter, Carter, the first lady, to uh, Jimmy Carter. Did you see the video and the picture of Jimmy Carter at the funeral? I did. Yeah, and and I don't think it will be too much longer until uh, we lose that that President Carter. Uh, And then, of course, yeah, what is it, yesterday uh, the news broke that... um, Henry Kissinger died. Secretary of State. Yep. Uh, for Richard Nixon. And then we just found out the first female on the Supreme Court, Sandra Day O'Connor, uh, has passed away at the age of 93. Yeah, 93 years old. She was born in March of 1930 uh, in El Paso, Texas. Uh, her parents were cattle ranchers. Harry Day and her mother, Ada Mae Day. Uh, were her parents. She was appointed, uh, nominated for the Supreme Court by Ronald Reagan in 1981. It was his first Supreme Court pick, the first female ever to serve on the high court. And she served from 1981 in the court until she retired in 2006, 17 years ago. It's been 17 years since Sandra Day O'Connor left the bench. She presided over some historic rulings on the court, long considered the court's centrist. Uh, She was the the justice that you never quite knew where she was going to come down on a lot of controversial cases. She was a decider in uh, keeping the Roe v. Wade decision intact for uh, several cases during her tenure on the court. Uh, A very significant jurist. Uh, She was politically conservative, uh, but her jurisprudence, she was not a strict constructionist of the Constitution, as many of the conservative justices are today. And, uh, I think it is well remembered. She was well thought of by her colleagues on the court and uh, really leaves a, a profound historic legacy as the first female ever to serve in that capacity. And uh, Sandra Day O'Connor dead at 93 years old. Broke the glass ce- ceiling in the 80s uh, for the Supreme Court. Uh, took almost till what, 2020 before uh, a female took into the executive branch, right? But we had somebody go to the Supreme Court in the 1980s, uh, a historic figure. There will be lots of remembrances over of her over the next couple of days. You know, poor uh, Joe Biden, who's you know, close, up there in age as well. He's, He's going to a lot of these historic funerals. That can't feel good. Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting uh, s- situation with, with Biden. And uh, I still believe that the Democrats are going to gently try and extricate him from the race uh, going forward in 2024, and they're going to try and supplant him with Gavin Newsom. We'll see how that turns out. But 
Yeah, you know, so much of the political history that I've lived over the course of my almost 60 years on the planet, uh, you think about a guy like Henry Kissinger, who was Secretary of State when I was eight years old. Uh, Sandra Day O'Connor gets appointed to the Supreme Court when I was 17. Uh, these are these are historic figures, uh, giants of American political history. Yeah, um, and uh, to people had significant opinions speaking about Henry Kissinger. Uh, you know, obviously that was all before I was really politically conscious myself. I actually was in New York in the same building that he lived in, uh, and ran into him in an elevator once. Yeah, and he was a. Uh, you know, hard to forget, right? He don't talk like this, and you know, he it was a little round Has guy. Geopolitical considerations, right? And one of those folks that um, people had strong opinions, either love or hate. There was no mixed uh, feelings about yeah, uh, Henry and he Kissinger. Was, Henry Kissinger was brilliant. He was brilliant right up till the end. He was still writing, um, very engaged in foreign affairs. I think he's credited uh, with opening up U.S. relations with China. The famous Nixon visit of 1972, going to China, meeting with Mao. Uh, Henry Kissinger was one of the masterminds of that. He certainly was a key figure during the Cold War and U.S. relations with Russia. He was the architect of the detente policy uh, that, that attempted to kind of ease the tensions of the Cold War during the 1970s. Uh, I saw him. I One of the few times I ever got to visit the West Wing of the, of the White House. And I went and was on a kind of a tour-ish kind of thing. And there sitting outside the Oval Office waiting for a meeting with George W. Bush was Henry Kissinger. Is that right? And, and he was at the Republican convention in 2004. I remember meeting him and having a conversation with him there. Uh, the guy was, you know, whatever you may have thought of his uh, foreign policy uh, positions. He was undoubtedly one of the most brilliant minds uh, in U.S. foreign policy history. Yeah, very controversial and, uh, you know, not really uh, respected or liked on my side of the aisle. You say that presidents after President Nixon would continue to rely on him uh, and at least meet with him, huh? Oh, no question. And I think it was bipartisan. I think he met with uh, Bill Clinton uh, when he was in the White House. I mean, he was uh, he was a fellow who Really, his history spanned the entirety of the Cold War era in this country and beyond. And, uh, you know, as we're dealing with what's happening now in the Middle East, Henry Kissinger's fingerprints on Middle East policy uh, are also profound. Well, so we've talked about Sandra Day O'Connor, passed away today at the age of 93, the first woman on the Supreme Court. We talked about Henry Kissinger, of course, the national security advisor and so many other things to uh, Richard Nixon. And, of course, we lost Rosalind Carter this week as well. She would be the first lady to uh, Jimmy Carter. Uh, the short period of time, uh, Jimmy Carter was there uh, and got, got blown out in the election and that major tidal wave that uh, became uh, President Reagan. But the Carters uh, really uh, became probably more respected as former uh, president and first lady than than they were when they actually were in the White House. Certainly, uh, yeah, that's certainly true of Jimmy Carter and Rosalind as well. She was a very consequential first lady. You know, when you think about the roles that first ladies play with their presidential husbands, uh, she was a very close confidant 
to uh, Jimmy Carter. And, you know, he spoke of her often. And she, historians have indicated that she uh, had a, just a profound influence over his thinking on a number of issues. And I think we'll go down in history as one of the more consequential first ladies. Yeah, I think about, uh, when I think about Rosalind Carter and Jimmy Carter, I think about uh, Habitat for Humanity. I know you and I both were in the Boy Scouts, and I was in another group called Key Club, Uh where we, um, Kiwanis organization, where we donated a lot of our time to... um, to Habitat for Humanity, they really were the stalwarts of Habitat for Humanity and really changed a lot of people's lives and brought that organization a lot of attention. They did, and Jimmy Carter worked and built those houses well into his uh, well into his 80s, maybe even into his 90s. Uh, what is he, 96 years old, I, I think. Believe it. Uh, so, and he looked very frail at his wife's funeral. It was yeah. kind of sad to see. But. It's, uh, it's the the process of life is uh, is not fun to watch at times, is it? Yeah. Well, he is John Hancock. I'm Michael Kelly. He's celebrating his anniversary today, so we're gonna cheer it back up. We're gonna step aside. We'll be back with you. I want to talk to you about whether or not there's fatigue dealing with the wars that mm. are going on across the world. After this, on KMOX. Now, back to Hancock and Kelly, sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference, on News Radio 1120, KMOX. And welcome back to the Hancock and Kelly show here on KMOX. We're going to take you all the way to 10 o'clock, then we'll join Amy and Chris. That's what we do. We'll spend some time with them. That's what we do. Sunday morning at 8.30 on Fox 2 in St. Louis, you can tune in and see Hancock and Kelly, the television show, where we're both there, one on the right, one on the left. With Andy Banker in the middle. Because that's what we do. That is exactly what we do. And then if you haven't gotten enough of us between Friday and Sunday, come back Monday night for Hancock and Kelly late night yes. from 8 to 10 o'clock. It's a bit much. We try to do no politics. We uh, we'll lighten it up. We talk a little bit of sports. We uh, share with you some of our tra- travels around St. Louis and... Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing about... once every month. I'm looking forward to hearing what... Mr. John Hancock is going to be doing for his anniversary today. It's his 33rd. 33rd. Wow. Isn't that hard to believe? It's a lot of years. Yeah. How how old's Junior? Johnny is uh, 36. No, (laughs) 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 he's 29. 29. Well, John, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, two days ago. uh, Elon Musk uh, participated in an interview with the New York Times. CNBC uh, related to yeah Walter Isaacson's book that's coming out called Elon Musk. Uh, he was interviewed uh, by Aaron Sorkin, a uh, reporter for CNBC. A um, couple of blunders. One of the blunders was he called Aaron Sorkin some uh, some other name, and you know uh, he said to him like, you know, Thomas, you and I've been so friends for so long, and <laughs> he looked at him. He says, uh, you know, well, it wasn't Aaron, whatever his name was, you know. Uh, he said, "No, that's not my name." Uh, and then the um, the the big highlight of the whole interview was Elon Musk, who just unhinged, said, um, "I don't care if people continue to advertise," and went straight after Bob Iger and Disney. This is after there's been pullback on advertisement of on Twitter because uh, Elon Musk uh, had some anti-Semitic tweets. He doesn't seem to be backing away from it. I tell you what, for a guy who's as successful in the business world as Elon Musk is, he has really made some bad decisions uh, with Twitter. I mean, well, he's taken a product that 
really became a staple for not the rank and file human, but folks that are interested in current events and news. Right. And it was a great source of real time information. And he's just really hurt the whole platform. Well, and and I know there are strong opinions about Elon Musk. I'm not going to defend any of them because uh, I think he's been out of line with a lot of what he's done. But at the end of the day, I think we can agree that Elon Musk is a genius. Um, and the same ilk that, uh, you know, Steve Jobs or, uh, you know, um, uh, the, who, who, who was the guy who ringing Chrysler all those years? Lee uh, Iacocca. Lee Iacocca. I mean, he just is a strong businessman. He had a good vision. He put it in place. John, we as the United States and our government in particular has become dependent on a man who's clearly, I don't know, he doesn't seem right uh, with the way that he behaves. Uh, so many of our government contracts are cut up with him. The world's second biggest company uh, is uh, something he started. Uh, if you're a shareholder or you're the United States government, you have to be a little bit worried that this guy's a little off his rocker. Well, I mean, we've had, uh, there have been CEOs that do, there's something about that CEO position that, you know, folks that suffer from H, what, what's it called? ADHD. Yeah, or ADHD. The ADHD, or they, or they, in, in Musk's case, he's an extreme narcissist. Um, so, you know, that's not uncommon. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt, if you look back in history, was a very mercurial personality and a bit odd. So when you hear these stories about Elon Musk, he comes up, uh, this is all on the backdrop of the conflict and the war that's going on right now in Israel, uh, on top of the war that we've been uh, watching taking place in Ukraine well, nearly and Russia. For two years. For nearly two years that's been going on. It's hard to believe. And we're all over two months the, not that we've been into the conflict now in Israel you know, Americans, we pulled out of Afghanistan. We, we've we pretty much, hope on both sides of the aisle, have decided that we had fatigue as it relates to war, uh, sending our own troops there. Now we find ourselves funding these wars. I'm worried, John, that uh, you saw some cracks on the right with the Republicans wanting to pull away from Ukraine. Of course, there's been uh, well-documented cracks on the left with Democrats wanting to uh, not uh, stop the war with uh, the Palestinians and and Hamas. Uh, war fatigue here could cause some real problems in uh, allowing these new evil empires to to grow because Americans are just kind of sick of it. Well, I, there is definitely uh, that is the case, and you know it's not unusual when you have these conflicts that are protracted and uh, and the public you know, grows weary of them and paying attention to them uh, wanes. That's a problem here because what what you've got in both of these cases, whether it's Ukraine where you've got a Russian aggressor uh, or Gaza where you had Hamas aggressively going after Israel, killing multiple uh, hundreds, if not, a, I think, 1,400 people they killed on October the 7th. And these all of these and Hamas is allied with Iran Hamas has gone to Moscow and met with Vladimir Putin uh China is out there in the wings with nefarious intent on Taiwan and you've got what is becoming a, a very connected axis of powers between Iran and Russia and potentially China 
uh, aligned against Western democracy. And this is not something that, that we should just slough off. It's not insignificant. It's very significant, and it demands the United States' involvement. And there's too many voices in my party that wants to decouple the U.S. from world leadership. And I think that would be a huge mistake uh, to do so. And, and I think the United States, for the better part of the 20th and 21st centuries, is one of the main reasons that there's been whatever modicum of stability there's been in the globe. And you remove the United States from that equation and these bad actors are going to continue to run. And if you allow Russia to dominate uh, another country and, and take over Ukraine, which is what they want to do, and if you know, if you allow the Middle East, if you allow Israel to continue to take on incoming hostile fire, uh, you're you're asking for it. And if you think you're going to contain things there, you're just wrong. Presidential elections usually uh, deal with domestic issues, yeah. uh, and specifically the economy that really drives what uh, the discussion is going to be. With with all these conflicts going on in the world. Uh, typically incumbent presidents who are seeking re-election like to put a spotlight on their foreign policy work. Joe Biden is walking a tightrope in both of these instances, yeah, uh, both in Ukraine and Israel. So whether or not he wants to make that the focus, that's the reason I think he's talking a lot about Bidenomics because this is such a piler keg as it relates to foreign policy. Who knows where it's headed? Do you think that foreign policy will bubble up over the next several months and maybe become the dominant issue in this presidential campaign? Uh, as we are, you know, we're less than a year away from an election. Well, if Biden had a serious primary challenge, it would be the total focal point. Uh, but he doesn't at this point. Uh, and he may not even ultimately be the nominee. Uh, when it gets to the general election, I don't think there's going to be, uh, I mean, there could be a, a difference between Trump and Biden, if that's our choice, on Ukraine support. I can see that, you know, Trump has been predisposed to be favorable to Vladimir Putin over the years. Uh, but I don't think there's going to be much difference in their approach to Israel. So I don't know that it's going to be a marquee issue in that campaign. I mean, I don't know if there are going to be issues in that campaign. I mean, you're going to be right. talking about person, you know, their personal <laughs> attributes uh, on both sides. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. But it is, it is a concern to me that the U.S. could as you say, grow weary of well, paying attention and funding these efforts that are very important. And we all have seen the irrational behavior on both sides of the aisle in the House of Representatives, um, whether it be the Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene contingent, or on the right, or the Cory Bush, uh, Rashida AOC, Tlaib, Rashida Tlaib yeah. con contingent on the left. The stability has always come from the United States Senate. But like many other uh, elections that we've experienced over the last couple of years, some of the more moderate folks on both the right and left side uh, worried probably of primaries or checking out of the United States Senate. Are we headed towards a more hostile United States Senate rather than being the calming influence? Well, it's not going to be what the House is, but, I mean, it, it could become more polarized for sure. I, I do think there's some institutional... Um, institutional circumstances in the Senate that make it unique, and, and I think will always continue to be so. The cloture rule where you've got to get 60 votes to pass something sort of forces uh, a bipartisan compromise for those that are serious about making policy. And I still think that will be the predominant mode of most members of the Senate. 
That cowboy over there is John Hancock. This cowboy right here is Michael Kelly. When we come back, we're going to be visiting with a, a real, bull rider, a real, a real cowboy, right here from Missouri. He's from north of Kansas City. We're going to visit with them. They're in town. The bull riders here in downtown St. Louis. Come back right after this on Camel X. Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes talks football, family, and more Monday nights during Sports Open Line, only on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Hey, welcome back to KMOX. We're joined in studio by Colton Hevelo. Uh, he's a bull rider from right here in Missouri. Where are you? Where are you from? Smithville, Missouri. Where's that at? Platte County, it's- buddy. It's uh, north of Kansas City, about 35, 40 minutes. Wow. How old are you, uh, Colton? 20 years old, and your brother Crash is here with us as well. Yes, sir. And how old are you, uh, Crash? Uh, 16 years old. Now, you're, you're not riding bulls professionally, are you? No, look sir. At him. But you ride bulls. Yeah. You and your brother ride bulls together? Uh, not anymore. No, yeah. no, he's professional. Who's, 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 who's better? <laughs> uh, it's close. Uh, really? Wow. Let's just say I'll let him win. Wow. <laughs> How old do you have to be to be a bull rider? Uh, there's no really certain age. You have to be professional. You got to be 18. Yeah, and you've been doing this for two years now. Yes, sir. How many times have you uh, have you walked away with the crown? Because uh, you you guys compete every week, right? Yeah, we walk we compete every week. Um, I've actually I'm the first and only guy to ever uh, win his first ever PBR event, but I've won uh, two events professionally. Wow. Is that right? You won the first time you competed? You won? Yeah, at the PBR level. I was in uh, Youngstown, Ohio. Well, there you go. He's, he's in Ohio, which is a great uh, you know, presidential politics state. Yeah. Uh, but you're riding the bull there, and you got to be on this bull for, what is it, eight seconds? Yeah, eight seconds. How, how did I know that? And uh, so now you don't think eight seconds is a long time unless you have to listen to Michael talk. But uh, <laughs> but eight seconds on a bull is quite a bit, right? I mean, because yeah, these bulls it can be. Are, Nasty. It can be a it can be a long time. It can be a short time. Have you ever gotten hurt? Yeah, I've I've broke my leg once. And I broke my arm a couple what? Of times. You broke your leg? How how long did that put you out? Uh, that put me out. It didn't actually put me out very long. I actually ended up walking on my leg for about eight months before I figured out it was broke. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Well, wow. <laughs> they put me in a walking boot for a month because it it healed quite a bit, but it didn't heal all the way. So they put me in a walking boot for. Uh, for a month, but well, I could take it off the ride. What happened to you that you decided one day, you know what, I'm going to take this 1,000-pound animal and get on its back and uh, buck around on it? Uh, my dad rode professionally. Uh, my mom my mom rodeoed growing up, and uh, that's how I got into it. Yeah? But dad didn't want me to do it, but mom pushed it a little bit, and here we are today. Yeah? You and Crash both are riding the bulls out there. That's uh, that's kind of exciting. And you, do your folks travel uh, and watch you watch you compete? Yeah, my parents uh, travel with us. They uh, couldn't come this weekend because uh, we got bulls and stuff at home to take care of. But uh, they they come when they can, and they haul hit my little brother around to go to rodeo. Well, you're driving now, Crash, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, how's that? How's that working? Uh, pretty good, but. Have you uh, had a crash yet? No, no. Oh, well, a crash has not had a where, crash. That's good news. Yeah, for where us did the morning. name Crash come from, Crash? Oh, it was just a nickname I got when I just kept following Dad around when we were feeding. I just kept falling down. Uh-huh. He said, we're just going to call you Crash. 
Michael was doing that last night. I, I crashed like, last night. Yeah. Uh, so, Colton, um, you, you're competing this weekend. It starts when? Is it tomorrow? It starts tomorrow, yes, sir. And it's over at the Enterprise Center right here, the hockey stadium in downtown St. Louis. And uh, it's a two-day competition. How's it? What, what happens on the first day and the second day? Can you tell um, us? Everybody gets on one bull Saturday. And uh, we come into Sunday with a new with a new draw. Everybody gets new bulls, and uh, we uh, ride. And they take the top twelve back to the short round on Sunday. So you're potentially able to get on three bulls, but Different only twelve bulls. guys. Yeah. Oh, have you ever rode uh, the same bull twice at one of these? Um, I've never been on the same bull twice in one weekend yeah. at one of these events, but uh, I have been on some bulls twice before i guess you kind of get to know each other you and the bull right you, well you talk to them or we don't necessarily get to know the bull oh. um the contractors kind of know their bulls better than we do but uh we study them and watch them and we know which bulls do what or have this trip or that so trip. when you're practicing at home uh how many bulls do you rotate with at home you just have one that bucks or how no does that work? we uh we actually have ten big bulls at home. Ten bulls at home. We you know, uh, go into politics. We um we get on if we have to work on a certain direction yeah. or uh, just getting on bulls just to be getting on them to practice to get better. We uh we just kind of run them in and get on them. Sometimes dad will choose for us. Sometimes we'll we'll kind of pick ourselves. It yeah. just kind of depends on a. Uh, what we want is there one particular move that the bull does that you think oh this is the hardest thing to deal with um no not necessarily because a bull a bull can't read so uh you just gotta ride him jump for jump but the bull can't read he must be going to our public school system here (laughs) (laughs) how much do you weigh I weigh 145 pounds. Wow. I mean, you're just a, a, a thin man. And uh, how tall are you? I'm f- between 5'6 and 5'7. Are most of the bull riders uh, around that same height and size? Roughly, yeah. Could, could, could bull riders, like, could Hancock and I be bull riders? No. Or are we too big? Or would once. the bull look we at can, us and say, no way. Once. We could be a bull rider once, Kelly. Well, and yeah. That would be the end of There's There's sometimes where we see guys that are taller and heavier to get on. It don't it don't quite go as well as you'd plan, but guys right. do it. Yeah, they get bucked. You're you're a professional athlete, um, and so you travel around the country uh, doing bull riding. Uh, do you guys got fans that follow you around and go from uh, city to city to come see young Colton hop on that bull? There's fans that travel around uh, all, uh, all to every every weekend and every event. So uh, you don't you don't really know them. You just see them every now and then. So. There's fans that travel around and watch all of us. Do you, uh, Colton Havilow is our guest. He's a professional bull rider. He's going to be competing at Enterprise Center tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday. Hopefully he's going to win his third PBR competition this weekend here in St. Louis. Do you, other than practicing bull riding at home, is there an exercise regimen that you do? Do you Is there a certain workout that a bull rider needs to perform? Uh, there's a bunch of workouts we can do. Um I work out every day of the week, Monday through Friday, and I'll even go to the gym on the weekends just to get loosened up and ready for the for the that night for the performance. But uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I go to about an hour to an hour and a half worth of gymnastics. Oh, gym! Of course, that makes perfect sense. So you're a pretty good tumbler, are you? Uh, 
Uh, I'm decent at it. I'm not yeah. the best at it, but uh, they definitely ain't easy on me. So if you had to guess, uh, estimate, how many times have you ridden a bull in your life? Practice, oh. professional, everything. Thousands? Man, it has to be over a thousands. Yeah, I've I've been on so many I can't even remember. Crash, how about you? You're 16. How, t- how many times have you ridden a bull? I have no idea. Hundreds? Maybe a little bit more. Wow. Did, have you ever had an experience where you're like, I don't know why I'm doing this. This is kind of crazy. This beast is beating the snot out of me, and here I am getting back on him. Yeah, yeah. when you first start, you think about it, and you're like, why am I doing this? But at the same time, uh, you love it. So you kind of forget about it and just keep going. Do you – well, so you guys uh, compete every weekend – uh, so are, do you miss it for, for the four or five days that you're traveling and having to talk to goofballs like us? You, uh, <laughs> you don't really miss it cause you go home and if like we got our backyard, you walk out our back door and there's bucking bulls, there's horses, there's an arena. You, you really don't get to miss it because it's just all right there. So wow, you go out and whatever we do, it, it applies to the bucking bulls. feeding. So I know they, horses. I know they can't talk these bulls, but if, if they could, and I had a bull sitting in here. What would the bull tell me about Colton Hamelow? There, there's no telling what a bull would say about about me or any of us guys. Uh, you really, you really don't know because they're kind of like a human. There's some bulls that that simply don't like people, and then yeah. there's bulls that they wish they could sit in your lap. It, it just kind of depends on the bull. And and the so the the nice bulls, the the ones that are kind of kind, are, are they more gentle? Yeah, there yeah. um there's a there's a bull called Top Dollar that uh Laramie Wilson hauls. Uh yeah. he's actually pretty famous right now on social media cuz he's uh he's gentle like really gentle and uh he's actually you, one of the best bulls in the world. Does he let him does he let you pet him? Oh yeah, he'll lay you there and let you the sit but on him. But then when it's you time to buck, he knows bull. it's time to buck. Oh yeah, that, Showtime. that bull they run a neck rope on him cuz he he's just anxious wanting to go. Wow. Top I don't know dollar. what that means. A neck rope, that kind of helps keep them under control a little bit? Yeah, it kind of gives them something else to think about while we pull you, our rope. You you both are wearing cowboy hats like real cowboys, which you are. are. Um, but I noticed you have a dollar bill in the back of yours, Colton. Yes, sir. What's that, that all about? Uh, my grandpa gave it to me a long time ago, and I just have kept it. I actually, uh, he, he let me have it, and uh, I rode with it in my pocket, and I just... Pulled it out of my pocket and put my cowboy hat in it. It's your been lucky there dollar. Yep. That's your lucky dollar That's from awesome. Grandpa. I'm going to have to give my granddaughter a dollar and she can put it in her cowboy hat. Do you wear the hat when you're on the, uh, or do you wear a helmet when you're on the bulls? Uh, I wear a helmet. Um, in the PBR, if you're born after 94, you got to wear a helmet. Right. You can't wear a hat. But when, you, when you're when you at home, do you wear a helmet? I mean, I would yeah, yeah, probably want to be safe, right? I wear a helmet always. Now, every now and then, we'll be jacking around, and we'll get on something without yeah. our gear, but it ain't nothing that'll any, hurt us. Any female bull riders? There's there's a few female bull riders in the world. Uh, you don't see very many of them. Uh-huh. So one of the things I noticed that you have to do a lot of training for is your hands, because you guys tie those up in those ropes, right? You you put yourself firmly on the bull that way? We, uh, we got a bull rope. We stick our hand in the handle, and then we pull the rope down tight. And on the rope, there's there's what we call raws and... And it's it's a sticky mixture. It's almost kind of like tar in a way. It just keeps our hand in there. 
because not always your hand grip keeps your yeah. keeps your hand in the bore rope. You know, are you, are, you, are you guys busy this afternoon? I, I cannot get the hose off of my uh, spigot in the back. <laughs> uh, I've been twisted on that thing for about a week, and I can't. Uh, I bet you could take that sucker off in a, a half a second. Uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's something we my dad has done in the past is waterworks. So. You say your dad was a bull rider as well? Yeah. How many rode. years did he ride? He rode for 11 years professionally. 11 years? It, it, so, is that the length of a career typically? It it differs. Um, some guys some guys don't last very long. Some guys will go 10 to 20 years. Wow. Wow. It's hard to believe in downtown St. Louis, inside the hockey stadium right now, there's a bunch of these animal animals over there waiting for you to go over I, there and I, get it's on. It's got to be hard to do that on ice. Yeah. They they put enough dirt down oh, where, it's, the dirt uh, down. Right, where it's not. I was gonna not say because if you hard. had to ride that bull on ice, man, that. that'd I went mess to the PBR up. once. They got a clown that runs around and is entertaining. Um, it, did did you ever think of being the clown guy that kind of keeps the bulls from messing with people? I really don't don't want to do that. I mean, I'm not I'm not real big on being funny. Yeah. I, I'd rather ride the bull than cheer everybody up. You got a girlfriend? Yeah, I got a girlfriend. What's her name? Gentry. Is she from St. Louis or Missouri? No, I mean? She's actually from Texas. Really? Oh, we won't hold that against her. <laughs> yeah? And how long have you been dating? Uh, at the end of December, it'll be two years. Does she Whoa. get worried about you getting on these bulls every weekend? Uh, I, Heck, I don't know. I've never asked her, and I really don't bother to ask. There you go. Gentry. There you Gentry. go. Well, good luck to you and Gentry. I hope that all works out well. Colton Havelow is our guest. His brother, Crash is with us in the studio as well. Thank you very much. Good luck this weekend. We'll all be T- rooting for you. Tickets are still available, and people can come and root for a fellow Missourian, right? It, it is nothing like watching somebody ride a bull for eight seconds. I, you know, Buddy, the Show Me State with our Show Me guy out there, Colton Havelov, I'll be rooting for you this week. Thank you. Thanks all for right, coming in, go guys. Go get them, fellas, and when we come back, I guess there's people walking around out there that have two different colored eyes. We're going to talk about that. Next on KMOX. Best newscast in the country. The KMOX Newsroom. National winner of the Edward R. Murrow Award for Best Newscast in America. And welcome back to KMOX. It's Hancock and Kelly taking you to the top of the hour. Then we're going to be joined by Chris Ranji and, oh, what's her name? Uh, Amy Marks, course. That is her name. Yeah, she'll be in uh, a studio as well. We'll spend about an hour with them. Amy's here today, so it'll be fun to see her. It will. It's always fun to see her. You know, you told me something this morning that I don't think I'd ever heard of before. Well, uh, you're familiar with the pitcher from St. Louis, uh, uh, Max Scherzer? I am familiar with Max Scherzer. Do you know anything unique about Max Scherzer? He's outside got a of his very good uh, yeah, slider. slider. Well, he also has two different colored eyes, what? one brown and one blue. I don't get that. And uh, there's uh, the guy who interviewed Elon Musk yesterday yeah. or two days ago, yeah. Sorkin on CNBC, same oh. thing, uh, has a brown eye and a blue eye. Do How you know anybody be? who has two different color no, eyes? No, I've never heard of such. How could that? Because the way this works, <clears throat> as I understand it, Michael, is you got these chromosomes in there. And uh, the chromosomes tell dictate what color your eyes are going to be. And I don't know how the chromosomes. You'd have to have some kind of chromosomal issue. Uh, to have two eyes of different colors. Yeah, I don't know, understand how it works. Uh, but uh, we were sitting around at my, at my Thanksgiving, and we were all wondering what color everybody's eyes were. And I think 90% of us all had blue eyes. But I have a couple of sisters who have 
green and, you know, some of the, the kids, the, their kids have green and huh. other colored eyes. But I I personally don't know anybody who has two different colored eyes, but I was watching this interview with Elon Musk and it it's striking. Uh, it's uh, it's memorable. I've seen it on puppies. You ever seen a puppy? No. Or a dog that has two different colored no. eyes? No. No? No. I've never, uh, never seen anybody. I don't think I've ever seen anybody that has two different colored eyes. Yeah. That's uh, freakish. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't think Max Scherzer thinks it's freakish. It's 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 definitely unique. Um, and it's it, for a second there, you look at the person when they was interviewing uh, Elon Musk the other day. I'm looking at him. I'm like, wait, something's all different about this guy. And then all of a sudden, it occurred to me he, he's got two different colored eyes. Huh? Yeah. Well, and here's another thing. While we're talking about eyes, okay, good. So you go to the eye doctor, maybe doctors Birdie, Birdie, Mahatra, Brusati, and uh, Royer, and you get your prescription for your glasses. Uh huh. Is it are both eyes always the same? No. In other words, can one eye be one yeah, better than the other? It can. You, you're really asking that question, yeah. don't you? Then they give you a, when they get done, don't they tell you your prescription? This eye is. You know, one twenty over something or another, and this one's uh, you know different than that one. No, no, my eyes have always been. Well, see, the same. you're weird because you 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 uh, take contacts, and I I have glasses, and I'm trying to fit. I can't touch my eyeball. You can, but you told me I only wear one contact, and I'm like, wait a minute, how can you only be wearing one contact? Well, because I'm just that good. How's friend. that work? Uh, so you you find out your dominant eye. You know how to do that. You cover your eye and whatever you see. I, I would imagine it's your left eye is your dominant eye it because is. the left side of everything well, is the Because the right side. brain is controlling the left eye. Yeah. You didn't know that. Yeah, so but... uh, <laughs> so I've got the, the dominant eye is my left eye, so I put a contact in that sucker, and I can see distances. I can read the Quiver River Electric Guest Line sign up on the wall here with my left eye because I got my contact in. Now, my right eye is naked. Uh-huh. And with my naked right eye, I can read the smallest print imaginable on little, like when you get a prescription and they give you that sheet of paper that's got all the stuff you do and right. don't do and blah, blah, blah. I can read like six-point font. So what what happens? Your brain, like, is able to commute. Yes. Don't you have, like, a... Depth issues by the fact that this is well, going Well, you on? play snooker with me. You tell me if I have depth issues. Well, uh, I don't like to talk, John, but recently on the snooker table, things have kind of gone my way. <clears throat> uh, no, they, you had a nice <laughs> run of three or four weeks there, but yeah. recently things have been going. Well, the last time we played, and guess what? Times. Since the time after four or five times of getting your teeth kicked in, uh, we played one time. You beat me, and guess what? He, he's always got something going on. Can't play with me. Oh, Kelly, I'm sorry. Can't play with you, blah, 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 because you want to keep that going with the people, uh, you know, being the winner. Well, I like to win. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy winning, and winning is very important. Well, our time here has come <clears throat> to an end, regrettably. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, we'll be back for uh, the next little few segments with uh, Chris and Amy, but our time, the Hancock and Kelly time, has come to an end. And let me just say, we've thoroughly enjoyed spending these moments with each and every We have two people to thank, do we not? We do. Frank Ladd, our wonderful producer, who helped uh, bring in Colton the Bull Rider for us. And, of course, James O'Sullivan, working behind the board, expertly as always. And right after the news, we'll be right back in here with Chris and Amy on KMOX.